The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and call the regular city council uh, meeting to order uh, for October 10th. 2022, let the record reflect the starting time of 7 p.m. And with that, uh, Clerk Swope, would you please take the roll? Uh, Councilmember Brown. Present. Councilmember Daniels. Present. Councilmember Garza. Here. Councilmember Hussein. Here. Councilmember Jackson. Present. Councilmember Spadafore. Councilmember Spitzley. Here. Councilmember Wood. Here. Eight members are present at quorum. And we are to the meditation and pledge. All right, Council colleagues, members of the administration, do we have anybody that we need to remember tonight during our moment of meditation? Seeing none, if you would please rise and join us in a moment of meditation followed by the Pledge of Allegiance, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. For your approval, the proceedings of September 26th. Vice President Wood. Thank you, President Hussein. At this time, I would move the minutes of uh, September 26th as written. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And uh, that takes us to comments by council members and the city clerk. All right, do we have any council member comments tonight? All right, that's easy, seeing none. Uh, clerk Swope. All right, uh, a few updates about the upcoming election. We've issued about somewhere around 18,000 absentee ballots. Uh, we've already gotten about 18% of them back, so folks are turn, turning them around quickly. I did send an email the end of the week uh, to folks who had gotten a ballot just to make sure that it had made it to their hands for people we have emails for. Uh, I've only gotten about 20 responses that um, that people didn't get it yet, um, but, but I want to highlight that for anyone that we don't have your email uh, or has opted out of our constant contacts, uh, that if you were mailed a ballot, if you've requested a ballot um, and haven't received it yet, please contact my office so that we can make sure to get that to you uh, as quickly as possible. Um, there is still lots of time to, uh, to request an absentee ballot. Uh, we also are open at both of our locations uh, for in-person or, or early voting. Um, so please feel free and we are open until 7 o'clock at our South Washington location on Wednesday evenings. Um, and then uh, we do have a special event uh, coming up that I want to invite everyone to. It's specifically targeted to those uh, Lansing residents who live in Eaton County, um, but uh, we'll welcome anyone to come uh, to our Fall Jamboree, sponsored by the Lansing Eaton Neighborhood uh, Association uh, and the City of Lansing. It's at Wood Creek Park, which is right next to Wood Creek School, and that is on Saturday, October 15th from 1 to 4. Uh, we will have a bounce house pizza, 
um, and a city fire truck for you to check out. And we'll have voter registration information uh, there as well. So please come out and join us uh, on uh, Saturday the 15th from 1 to 4 at Wood Creek Park. And with that, we are to community event announcements. If there's anyone in the audience who has a community event, we'll give you up to a minute to tell us the details. The Friends of Lansing's Historic Cemeteries is hosting its 10th annual Race to Restore 5K Run Walk inside Mount Hope Cemetery this Saturday at 10 o'clock. If you haven't registered and you wish to do so, you may do so yet by going to our Facebook page at Friends of, Lan uh, Friends of Lansing's Historic Cemeteries or Lansing Cemeteries or our uh, website, which is folhc.wildapricot.org or to runsignup.com. If you would like to support us and don't have the ability to run or walk, you can certainly make a donation. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Friends of Bancroft Park is having a meeting tomorrow at the Warming House at 7 o'clock in Bancroft Park. Thanks. Thank you. And looks like we've got another one. Hello, Erica Lynn from the Village Lansing. This Thursday, October 13th at 5 p.m., we are partnering with Casa de Rosado to hold a sugar skull decorating workshop um, to honor Dia de los Muertos. If you are interested, um, it, we have several slots, not too many, open still, um, but you can RSVP, sign your youth up. It's open to grades 6 through 12th and the workshop will be held at the Village Lansing. So you can visit our Facebook page or go to www.thevillagelansing.org to sign your youth up online. Um, we are also holding our fourth annual uh, trunk or treat event. And at this point, biggest need that we have is we want to have more trunk hosts than we had last year. So that's our goal, we're working on that. So if you are interested in hosting a trunk or you know an organization or a group or a person, please share that event with them. Um, it's a really good time, and basically we ask that you bring some candy. We will provide and backfill for that, and it's a good time. You decorate your trunk and give candy to the youth of Lansing at the Village Lansing, and that is gonna be on October 31st at 6 p.m. Thank you. Thank you, any other community events? All right, seeing none, that takes us to uh, the announcement for public comment on legislative matters. Um, so if you want to speak on legislative matters, which includes items um, 2 through 19 on the agenda, although item 14 won't be acted on tonight, um, but uh, still eligible for discussion. So items 2 through 19 on the printed agenda, uh, please turn in a blue form to uh, Jason in the next uh, minute or two. Um, and with that, we are to... Uh, the mayor's comments. Mr. Lawrence, uh, Ms. Tessa. Thank you, uh, Council President and City Council. We don't have any comments uh, from the mayor at this time. Uh, I don't believe our deputy uh, chief of staff has any as well. The, if, if you don't mind, Your Honor, I would like to just quickly make a, a brief a brief remark. Uh, sure. This past, uh, this past Friday, we did celebrate uh, the Hispanic uh, event in, um, in, our, in our community. I want to report to city council that it was very well accepted by the children that were there in the afternoon. I, I don't have the exact count, but we had 
several uh, several of them, and uh, it was so interesting to to note that not only were the children very happy, I don't think I've ever had a more uh, interesting hola from all uh, 100 plus uh, children that were there. That was very nice. Hola means hello in Espanol. And uh, that was very, very, very nice. And we had different uh, different types of activities for the children there. They, uh, they, uh, I think the line for the tortilla making <laughs> was probably one of the longest. That was very, very interesting. And of course, the um, we also had uh, sugar scald scald and how to make a piñata and things of that nature. And the, and the children were there. I did have a little bit of interaction with them as well, and I, I was very, very pleasantly surprised and very, very pleased, I should say, that many of the children there understood what the, the uh, Hispanic uh, Awareness uh, Month was, and they they were very familiar with the event, and they knew many of the countries that we were celebrating that day. So I'm very, very pleased, and, and thank you, City Council, and thank you to all the, uh, the donors for this event. It was very well received and very, very well attended by the children there. So thank you. And, thank oh, you. And if I can just say, I'd like to mention uh, two of our staff members in particular that, uh, that helped us to lead this, and uh, Luciana Solis, and also uh, to uh, Herminia uh, Ortiz. So thank you very much to both of them. Absolutely. Okay, then we are to um, public comment on legislative matters, and none of the items are public hearings, so we can proceed right to the public. Our first speaker is Norma Bauer, followed by Kyle Richard. I'm still Norma Bauer, and happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, so I had so many items that I just decided to cut to the quick, so I fit into the three minutes. And um, in the correspondence on last month's minute, last meeting's minutes, I didn't see anything about the resolution that the People's Council uh, gave you. So um, I think that that should be included. And I've also learned that you've made progress towards transparency in city government. So I hope that next meeting you'll put something on the agenda about the progress you have made towards transparency, even if it isn't everything that the People's Council wants. And um, I saw on the consent agenda minutes that uh, outside counsel was sought in one of the matters and granted. And um, that was interesting to me uh, because it raises the question of, well, could we get a second opinion on some other things. I understand that our city attorney is very busy with all the lawsuits against the city and people in the city. But uh, I wonder if outside counsel could be sought in the matter of whether city council requires the, whether the city charter requires the council, this council, to be uh, purely advisory. Uh, and I also wonder if the mayor is required to kick somebody off of council for violation of something. Uh, that would be good. And the ARPA funds, ARPA funds come, last time it was through COVID, and so the applications had to be made through the police. Well, did you notice that the community doesn't have a whole lot of trust in the police, especially when Chief Sosabi refused to release the videos right away? Not transparent. Um, so I hope that correspondence appears on the agenda every time, like tonight, for example. 
Um, that's, I'll yield my remaining minute to somebody else. Thank you. Oh, these are the petitions. Um, 19 petitions in support of the, uh, the People's Council resolution and three from organizations. So it, they did not approve of me handing them in tonight. Aren't you glad? <laughs> okay, thank you. Next we have Kyle Richard and he will be followed by Don Dean. Good evening, everyone. Um, Kyle Richard, Fourth Ward. I'm here to speak on items 17, 18, and 19, which are the pilots. Uh, I spoke on this at the public hearing, and so I think you all already know where I stand. I'm, I'm opposed to the pilots. Um, and I think I wanted to just share kind of a reflection that I had while, while thinking about the meeting two weeks ago. And it was sort of this idea that this man from Cincinnati came down here and sat at this table and put our, our community's water on the table and, and, and sort of a, you, you need us more than we need you kind of way. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll clean up your water for you. Let us build, let us build these, you know. I, I, I just think that we should be very careful who we do business with. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Don Dean, who will be followed by Loretta Stanaway. I'm speaking about number six, uh, setting public con uh, council rules, addition of rule 47, verifications of qualification, qualifications for elective office. I think that you should probably table that until after the election. Um, I, I don't know what's in there, but it just seems like it, two weeks before an election to talk about qualifications for elective office seems kind of odd. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, next and finally is Loretta Stanaway. Okay, several different things, um, including the pilots. As you've probably gathered, I am against all three of the pilots, and if they had it on the agenda, I'd be against the Oprah that was proposed as well. Um, part of the reasons that I object to those, among all the others, are that they are part of a part and parcel that I've noticed seems to be prevalent in things that come to the council from the planning committee. And I, I attended the last planning committee meeting, which will be another topic another day. Um, but it seems like the wording in these proposals that come to you is kind of slanted, always in favor of approval. And just to give you a little explanation of what I'm talking about from the MCDC letter to the city clerk, listen to this verbiage. Um, where did it go? formerly utilized to sell various paraphernalia of a questionable nature. Okay. And then on uh, the next topic would be on page 180 of your packet, the Committee of Development and Planning resolved by the City of Lansing, blah, blah, blah. If you'll look at the fourth from the bottom paragraph, it reads, um, residents and other taxpayers of the city of Lansing to appear and be heard regarding the establishment of the district and that such notice was given and said and said public hearing was held on November 14th 19 or 2022 that's pretty uh, advanced notification um, 
we just cannot tolerate any more of these pilots. These developers and builders have to quit making private profit off of the public. They need to trim their projects back to the point where they are feasible to do on their own dollars and not our dollars. Um, there's also the public hearing on uh, repealing requirements for solicitors of charitable and religious donations and for massage therapists and for records. I haven't depth looked into those, but it just seems to me that if we're peeling back uh, requirements for people to be operating in a city, we're opening a can of worms that isn't going to be to our benefit. Um, then you've got, you know, on top of all the other things, you've got coming down the pipe, uh, obsolete property district for three properties on East Michigan Avenue, and the issuance of general bonds for the uh, Performing Arts Center on the full faith and credit of the city of Lansing translation taxpayers. You guys are taxing us and feeing us and bonding us to death. Please stop. And thank you very much. That was our final speaker for this section. We will have more public comment later. In the meantime, we are to the consent agenda. Vice President Wood. Uh, excuse me, thank you, um, President Hussein. Uh, the first item on the consent agenda is a tribute to the Lansing branch of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP, uh, for their Freedom Fund celebration, which will be held on October 22nd. The second is a grant acceptance for automobile theft prevention um, authority grant. Uh, we have had this uh, for several years. This um, grant pays for uh, the 50% of a dedicated uh, detected salary fringe uh, vehicle use cost, office supplies, and training fees. We were told um, during the presentation that auto thefts are um, up by 60% um, in our community. The next is a grant acceptance um, JAG grant, and this is uh, the Lansing Crisis Assessment Team uh, for the Lansing Police Department. This was discussed, uh, concept was discussed at various times during um, the budget. This assessment, um, this grant would pay for uh, the team for two years. The grant funds would be for a salary and fringes for one a police social worker, three community police officers, additional funds and expenses include three passenger vehicles, computers, cell phones, uh, plus costs of software programs for case management and related training. Um, next is setting the public hearing for November 14th for um, an amendment to the 2021 uh, um, annual action plan. Uh, this is to include the home ARFA um, allotment uh, plan. And lastly is for the council rule. Um, what this does is would be a yearly um, codification of the rules that are part of the charter currently. Uh, the council members would be required to 
um, sign an affidavit that they still meet the qualifications to serve in office. With that, I would move uh, the consent agenda. <clears throat> Sorry, there is a motion on the floor. Further discussion? Councilman Jackson. Thank you, Council President. I didn't know that you saw me. Um, uh, point Vice of order. President. This is a consent agenda, so it's either an up or down vote. It's not debatable. So if something wanted to discuss, then it needs to be pulled off the consent agenda. Okay, so I would move to pool number four off the consent agenda. Okay, so what we're, what we're looking at, Vice President Wood, is potentially an amended motion to pull number, was it four? Yes. Number four from the consent. And that's fine. We will give it to uh, Councilmember Spadafore as chair of the Ways and Means. I, so with I that. Understand, but there was a motion on the floor. And so to make it clean, what I was asking was for her to amend her motion. Thank you. Yes. I will amend the motion to, to pull that item. Perfect. Thank you. There's a motion on the floor uh, for a consent agenda not to include number four. Uh, further discussion, hearing and seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. No. Motion carries. Okay, to item four, the grant acceptance for the uh, JAG grant for the crisis team. Councilman Spadafore. I would move the resolution for the JAG discretionary grant. All right, there's a motion on the floor. Further discussion, Councilman Jackson. Thank you, just a question of clarification. So I heard that this grant is for two years. It sounded like it had salary, fringe benefits. Did I hear a car in there too? Did I hear that? No. Um, what happens after two years? Does the grant go away? Does it get renewed? Do we have to absorb that into the budget? Councilman Spadafore. Yeah, yes. So um, the grant that is in front of us is a three-year grant, as you mentioned, for about $1.3 million. $301,000 of that pays for the staff, including uh, social workers and three additional police officers at $821,000 training, uh, as well as three passenger vehicles, $180,000. Those are um, capital investments, so not ongoing once they're you know paid for. Systems to go with that and $9,000 for software and computers and things like that. Once the money does dry up, we'd have to find another grant to pay for them or use city operational dollars to fund those community police officers and those social workers. Um, we did ask the question about supplementing or supplanting our existing force. The idea would be to consolidate three CPOs because they are specially trained into this unit and then backfill uh, with new officers that are not necessarily CPOs, um, but, but creating this crisis unit. Just, just very quickly, Councilman Jackson, um, I do want to recognize Mr. Smirker. Mr. Crisis Team. <clears throat> just for your information, I can't represent LPD on this issue, but I have been approving JAG grants for the last six and a half years, so it's a recurring thing. We always cover different matters, but it's the burn grant, BYRN. Thanks for clarifying. Um, I guess, is there, that helps a lot, um, but is there any indication that we assign three more officers, I mean, we have more than three vacancies still, right? Like, is there any indication that we're gonna, our vacancies are gonna go where those three officers would even be needed as far as filled, like actually hired and filled within three years? So we might approve three more, but still have, now we have 13 vacancies instead of 10, if you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, we really didn't discuss the hiring practice of the police department, just the fact that this 
these dollars were available to offset the cost of, of something that we talked about in budget priorities last year and in budget resolution uh, wrapping up last this year's budget. So this is actually a, it's a it's a solid win for the budget. We've already paid for these positions. Right, I understand. And with that knowledge that we approve, it seems like every three years that helps a lot. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, again, there is a motion on the floor for the questions, comments. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, we have item seven, the appointment of Jennifer Henze to the Downtown Lansing Inc. Board. Councilman Garza. She wasn't here. No, it, so so number seven was never on the consent. So what we need you to do is just discuss the resolution and then quickly move it. Okay. All right. So she applied back in June, like three months ago. Uh, Jennifer Hinsey. Uh, she's a, a property owner in Old Town. She's been on multiple boards around the city of Lansing. Does cleanup, beautification project, projects, um, and she she's looking. Uh, her vision downtown is is looking uh, outside the box for suburban thinking and want to move the city forward like she has down in Old Town, wants to move that in, 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 uh, in downtown. So with that, I would move her appointment. All right, there is a motion in terms of the appointment for Jennifer Hinsey as a business owner, member of the Downtown Lansing Inc. Board. Uh, is there further discussion? Questions, seeing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And number eight, the appointment of Randy Watkins to the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Board. Councilman Garza. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Councilman uh, Jackson, sorry. Thank you, Mr. President. It's an honor to have our first appointment to our first two appointments, but our first one officially here to the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Board. Mr. Randy Watkins will represent the fourth ward. He's an <coughs> adjunct professor at LCC, amongst other things. He's gonna bring a historical perspective to the newly formed board as Mr. Watkins served on both uh, the Mayor's Racial Justice Equity Alliance and the MIDAC. Don't ask me what all it means, but it's similar to DEI, so Mr. Watkins will bring that perspective. And we also talked about his you know, leadership and willingness to speak up if the group deems necessary. So. We welcome Mr. Watkins, and I would move his appointment. All right, there is a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries, and Mr. Watkins, if you want to come on down through the double doors, we can actually get you sworn in right now. Thank you. takes us to uh, resolutions for action number nine. This is an appointment of Kendall O'Connor as the first ward member of the DEI advisory board for a term to expire June 30th, 2025. Uh, Councilman Jackson. 
Hi, it's Kendall here. Could you come down? I don't see. Uh, it's an honor to move the second person into this Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Advisory Board, Ms. Kendall O'Connor is representing the first ward. She is an attorney, a municipal attorney. She even trains corporations and municipalities on diversity, equity, and inclusion matters. She, this is her first board, her first choice of all the boards, and she is very interested. She became interested when she learned about um, the parking ordinance permit and how it in her words, unfairly would affect certain people that don't always have the means. So that's what kind of piqued her attention. And she applied and she seems very qualified and she passed our committee 3-0. I would like to move her appointment. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. All right, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And we're to item 10, uh, setting a show cause hearing for 2026 West Jolly Road. Vice President Wood. Thank you, President Hussein. The first um, item that we have before us is setting the public hearing for uh, the property at 2026 West Jolly. This property was red pegged on September 14, 2021. Um, the value of the property um, the SUV um, information on this is $16,700. The estimated cost for repairs would be $31,542. Uh, no one was um, at the um, show cause um, hearing for um, Make Safe um, before the demo board, and uh, no one came. Um, before the Public Safety Committee. And again, this would be setting the public hearing for October 24th. So with that, I would move the resolution. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And item 11, make safe or demolish for 3422 Locroft. Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. This property is 3422 Lowcroft. Um, we had the show cause um, hearing before council on this. The SEV um, value of the property is $29,500. Um, the estimated repairs for this property is $60,500. And $60.64. Um, the permits that um, were pulled for this property over the period of time, this um, actually uh, was red tagged um, on May 23rd, 2019. It is a fire damage property. Um, the um, Siding permit has expired. The electrical permit has expired. Um, they did not receive a uh, mechanical permit. The plumbing permit um, was not issued. And um, because this is fire damage, we're asking for um, 30 days, um, make safe or demolish in 30 days. So with that, I would um, move this make safe and demolish. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. 
And item 12, a uh, set of traffic controls to regulate, traffic controllers to regulate parking in Old Town. All right, Councilman Daniels. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. So the next one uh, is traffic control order uh, number 21 uh, 07 08 09 10 11 12 13 14 and 22 03 to regulate parking in Old Town. Uh, this is a uh, Ordinances or traffic control be put into effect through uh, an engineering report, 21-09, uh, worked with the OTCA and the small businesses in Old Town. We actually pulled this from the last meeting to make sure that they had time to uh, address all the businesses in Old Town. Uh, everyone was really comfortable moving forward with it. And so with that, I would move the uh, traffic control orders. All right, there's a motion on the floor. Uh, any questions, discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, we are to ordinances for introduction. We have an ordinance, uh, the Committee of the Whole introduced an ordinance to amend Chapter 1300 of the Lansing Codified Ordinances, Sections 1300.02, 1300.04, 1300.09, and 1300.11 to update the ordinance to reflect changes in laws and rules by the Cannabis Regulatory Agency, formerly known as the Marijuana Regulatory Agency, and adding Section 1300.02. 17 to codify the process for temporary marijuana events. It's read a first time by its title and refer to the Committee of the Whole. Vice President Wood. Thank you, President Hussein. Um, this ordinance changes um, in 13, um, 1300.2, adds a definition for um, marijuana education research uh, license in 1300.4 amends the definition of application, applicant, um, and it also amends the insurance requirements. In 1300.9, it talks about um, drive-throughs as being a permissible, uh, accessible use for um, marijuana sales uh, with zoning approval. 1300.11, uh, um, again, talks about um, assigns the education research uh, facilities to the same uh, zoning as safety compliance uh, processors and secure, trans secure transporters, uh, which is industrial mixed use and urban flex. And then 1300.17 uh, codifies the mayor's ability through the executive order to allow for special permits. We would be setting the uh, public hearing for this for November 14th, uh, 2022. So with that, I would move. All right, there is a motion on the floor. Is further discussion? All right, hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, the next ordinance for introduction, uh, the Committee on City Operations introduced an ordinance of the City of Lansing, Michigan to amend the Lansing Codified Ordinances by amending Chapter 822, Sections 822.01 through 822.05, 822.11, 822.18, and 822.19, repealing Chapter 822, Sections 822.16, 822.17, and 822.20 to eliminate this, the city licensing requirements for massage therapists. therapists, It's read a first time by its title and referred to the Committee on City Operations. Right. Councilman Daniels. Thank you. So this is actually just repealing an ordinance uh, that's already um, 
uh, that already exists at the state level, and so it was found that it wasn't actually necessary to have at a city level. That's all I have. Yeah. Oh, appreciate. Yeah. You need to move. Yeah. And and with that, uh, I want to set a public hearing for what date? This would be October twenty-four. October twenty-fourth. So sorry, no, sidebarring okay. with the okay. city attorney. Sorry about that. Um, and so yeah, so there's a motion on the floor to set a public hearing for October twenty-fourth. Any questions, comments? Seeing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carried. Okay. Uh, the next one, the Committee on City Operations introduced an ordinance of the City of Lansing, Michigan to amend the Lansing codified ordinances by amending Chapter 872, Section 872.01 and repealing Chapter 872, Sections 872.10 through 872.23 to eliminate city licensing, regulating, and operating requirements for wreckers. It's read a first time by its title and referred to City Operations. Uh, Councilman Daniels. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. Same thing. Uh, this is another uh, already state-licensed ordinance, uh, so it was felt it was unnecessary. And I would like to set a public hearing for October 24th. All right, so there is a motion to set a public hearing for October 24th. Further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. <coughs> motion carries. Okay, now we are to ordinances for passage, and we have an ordinance of the City of Lansing, Michigan to amend the Code of Ordinance of the City of Lansing by adding a new section 888.32 for the purposes of providing for a service charge in lieu of taxes for 66 low-income multifamily dwelling units in a project known as Stadium North Lofts pursuant to the provisions of the State Housing Development Authority Act of 1966 being public act 346 of 1966 as amended. It is read a second time by its title, was reported from the Committee on Development and Planning, and is on the order of immediate passage. Councilman Garza. Thank you, Council President. So what we have before us is a payment in lieu of taxes for Stadium North multifamily lots at 500 North South Cedar Street. The developers MVAH Partners out of Westchester Township, Ohio. Uh, this is a 7% pilot request over the course of 35 years. Uh, 66 units of rent-restricted affordable housing at our low 60% of area medium income. This development, uh, particular development, has 51 two-bedroom units and 15 three-bedroom units. Uh, each, each, uh, each project, this project particular, 12 units, uh, will have the project-based vouchers from the Lansing Housing Commission. And with that, I would move for passage. All right, there is a motion to adopt the ordinance for the discussion. Questions, comments, Councilman Jackson. Thank you. I just want to make comments since this, these pilots, pretty much, I'm going to kind of speak generally because um, they're similar-ish. But I'm supporting all three of them for the following reasons. I don't want to support pilots. I don't want to say, hey, developer, and this is what people think, you're getting some free incentives here to get rich, and you're from out of state. I used to look at it that way, but now I see a building that needs restoration for one, buildings in this case. Two, I see that the property itself is not earning any money to the city as it sits there, vacant-ish or needing repair. And I know that people need affordable safe housing in Lansing. Now, 
I'm pretty sure the studies show it. I know there's been some back and forth on whether it's needed or not, but from my knowledge, affordable housing is needed in Lansing. And even though this affordable housing may not be affordable for everyone, it still creates a certain number of safe units that somebody's gonna move into, which may free up other places and it's just gonna provide capacity. And we say, okay, well, why do you have to give them incentives? Make the project work. But when I ask those questions to the developers when they're here, they say it won't work, it's not feasible doing affordable housing, it's not feasible you know, running on vouchers and these things, and without that, it won't get built. Um, we question them about it. I question them over and over, and I do believe that's true. So with those three things, especially the last, mean the need for affordable housing, and also when we talk about these project-based vouchers from the housing department, there's so many people with vouchers right now that can't find a place to use them in because the landlords or the property owners or the apartment complex don't accept them. So in one of these projects, at least, it's gonna open up more opportunity for that. So for those reasons, I'll be supporting it. I just wanted to say it because I know there's um, you know, a lot of controversy surrounding these and I'll be supporting it, thank you. Thank you. Are there other questions, comments? Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. Um, I will not be supporting um, these pilots, all three of them. Um, the, the, this particular pilot that we're talking about, we did ask the um, assessor to give us a uh, estimate on what we would be receiving in taxes if um, this was at a full tax rate and we would be receiving $125,000 a year. What we will be getting is, with a 7% pilot, is $37,439. Over the 35 years, we're talking about $4,375,000 that we would receive in income versus the fact that we will be receiving $1,310,365. The problem is, is that um, even though we would be receiving something from this, there are still costs for services that have to be rendered in, uh, for this area. Um, many of us have worked on some problems that we've had um, in that area with um, homelessness and some of the facilities and the things that are, are going on there. I'm not sure that this is the best location um, for these to begin with. And I'm also, one of the things, you know, that I'm going to keep emphasizing, and that is I'm not sure why we are not requiring and pushing developers to do both um, pilots and um, and um, uh, market rate housing together. Um, when and and we had HUD down here a few years back, and they talked about the fact that um, some of the problems that they had were dealing with the fact that we had um, housing units such as these housing units here. 
um, that um, instead of having them in in neighborhoods and single families and things like that, that um, that, that this did create um, welfare housing um, and warehousing the poor. So based on um, these issues, I, I won't be supporting these at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, do we have other, sorry, do we have other questions, comments? All right, Councilman Jackson. So about the disparity in the money, isn't it, it would be true that we would lose out on that however many millions more if those properties were built up to what the project is, but the project's not gonna happen without the pilot. So it's not as clear to say all those millions are what we're missing because those millions wouldn't happen, the project wouldn't have been built, it'll still be the rundown building that it is. Thank you, uh, Councilman Spadafor. Thank you. Um, we've had a lot of discussion about these pilots and we've heard a lot of input, a lot of emails. Um, at the end of the day, I wish that we had better tools in our toolbox to encourage this type of development. We talk about, I've, I've sat through, I've been here for five years. Um, that's why the hair has gone over here, but I've been here for five years and we've seen different iterations of um, housing reports and study after study that indicates that we need safer housing for, for those living at, at, at poverty levels and moderate income levels. We need better housing. We need better housing options. We need better housing stock. We've seen a number of projects come into our city that are market rate apartments. We've got a lot of that downtown right now. And I see in front of us several options to provide better, safer housing for people at low and moderate income levels. I wish the tools in our toolbox were better. These pilots are the one tool we have to incentivize this type of development to ensure safe housing for residents living in low and moderate income settings and I will be supporting all three of them tonight. Thank you. I appreciate that. Further questions, comments? All right, I'll be very, very general. Um, I won't be supportive either. Um, I have spent the last several weeks uh, talking to a number of individuals from the administration. Um, I have had to, you know, honestly I've challenged them to assuage my concerns. Uh, with regards to these three pilots, and frankly, none of them could do that. Um, I am, as an example, concerned about location. Um, I believe that um, one of these pilots that is in front of us, the location makes vulnerable people more vulnerable. And that is one of the most out of touch things that we can possibly do as a council uh, or as a city. Um, I have spent a lot of time at some of these sites. Um, when we had uh, Ms. Jan Bilwell as a social worker spent time at one of these sites, uh, I've been on uh, ride-alongs with police officers um, in, in some of these locations, and frankly, these are um, some very uh, inappropriate uh, places right now um, to build this type of housing. Um, secondly, I struggle with configuration. Uh, we know that this is outdated and antiquated. It has never worked uh, in terms of actually helping ascend uh, people of poverty uh, into some other reality, period. What I'm really concerned about uh, beyond even that is that we don't even bring in the revenues when we're looking at a four or five, six or seven percent. We do not bring in the revenues to provide services to these individuals in these spaces the way that they deserve uh, to be serviced. I spend a lot of time, and I would argue maybe more than anybody at this dais, um, in uh, locations such as this uh, because of the disproportionate um, amount that has been built in Southwest Lansing, and I am out there consistently and regularly. Um, and the conditions uh, that these folks are um, 
living in is absolutely inappropriate. And frankly, uh, we struggle with the revenues that we have to get out there and to do anything about it. So as I'm out there beating the drum and beating the drum and beating the drum, um, there's really very few folks that can even respond. And that is a fact. Okay, beyond that, um, I, the, with, with MVI as an example, um, I, you know, I struggle with the fact that what we have is a partnership with, dare I say, a failed entity. And what we were told, uh, and I made sure that I went back and watched the tape uh, to make sure that I heard it correctly, what we were told is that particular entity could be as much as co-owner, developer, and service provider. And for me, that's a, that's a proposal that's dead on arrival in my book. Um, and then, you know, and, and I'll address other concerns at another time with regard to pilots in general, but these, these ones are concerning. We have another uh, entity that's in front of us tonight um, that frankly has failed properties in Wyoming, has failed properties in Adrian, and has a, an incredibly failed property in my ward, Southwest Lansing and Summer Place. Uh, and so there is no way uh, that I'm going to award a bad actor uh, that comes before us for a pilot tonight knowing what their past work has been um, and expect anything different. That is, in fact, the definition of insanity. So I will not be supporting these. Is there further questions, further comments? Seeing none, oh, sorry, Councilman Brown. Um, you know, I've been back and forth with everything. Thank you so much, President, saying back and forth as well and, and working with the stakeholders and getting that. So I do understand Councilman Jackson as well as uh, Councilman Spatterford and Councilman uh, Wood as well as Hussein. But I do know also that, you know, we have this need. And so that's where I struggle where uh, I think Peter said it, you know, the tools that we have are, you know, at a higher level, um, you know, how can we if the, you know, if the funding is not there to, to make additional um, properties and make them work well. So this one, uh, I think the one Stadium North, which is down towards downtown to create affordable housing, I'll be supporting that. Um, but the Hillsdale Place, I will not be supporting that um, due to the mismanagement and the things that you've talked about, Councilman Hussein. Thank you so much. All right, so we do have uh, a motion on the floor, and this pertains specifically to item number uh, 17. Further questions or comments? Seeing none, clerk's vote. On the uh, item 17 ordinance, uh, Council Member Brown. Yes. Council Member Daniels. Yes. Council Member Garza. No. Council Member Hussein. No. Council Member Jackson. Yes. Council Member Spadafore. Yes. Council Member Spitzley. Yes. Council Member Wood. No. That is five yeas, three nays, the ordinance is adopted. And Is there a public necessity and immediate effect? Councilman Garza, are you questioning immediate effect? Okay, okay so uh, item 18, we have an ordinance of the City of Lansing, Michigan to amend the code of ordinances of the City of Lansing, Michigan by adding a new section under Chapter 888 for the purposes of, of providing for a service charge in lieu of taxes for 66 low-income elderly dwelling units in a project notice known as Stadium North Senior Lofts, pursuant to the provisions of the State Housing Development Authority Act of 1966, being Public Act 346 of 1966 as amended, is read a second time by its title. The ordinance was reported from the Committee on Development and Planning and is on the order of immediate passage. Councilman Garza. Thank you, Council President. So yes, this is uh, another, uh, the Stadium North Senior Loft, 500 North Cedar Street. Same developer. This is also a 35-year uh, request for a 7% pilot. This one, however, has 66 two-bedroom units in it, and this will also have 12-unit uh, deal project-based vouchers. And with that, I would move for passage. 
All right, there is a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, clerk swope. Councilmember Daniels? Yes. Councilmember Garza? No. Councilmember Hussein? No. Councilmember Jackson? Yes. Councilmember Spadafore? Yes. Councilmember Spitzley? Yes. Councilmember Wood? No. Councilmember Brown? Yes. Five yeas, three nays, the ordinance is adopted. Councilman Garza, are you requesting immediate effect? No. Thank you. Okay, uh, and then our next one is an ordinance of the City of Lansing, Michigan to amend the Code of Ordinances of the City of Lansing by adding a new section uh, to Chapter 888 for the purposes of providing for a service charge in lieu of taxes for 40 low-income multifamily dwelling units in a project known as Hillsdale Place pursuant to the provisions of the State Housing Development Authority Act of 1966 being Public Act 346 of 1966 as amended. It's read a second time by its title and was reported from the Committee on Development and Planning. Councilman Garza. Thank you, Council President. So yes, we have another payment in lieu of taxes. Uh, this is uh, Hillsdale Place, uh, 1020 West Hillsdale Street. This is the uh, developer's Griffin Group out of DeWitt. They are requesting a 4% pilot over the course of 45 years of 40 units of affordable housing. There will be eight one-bedroom, 24 two-bedroom, and eight three-bedroom units. This sale is contingent upon the approval. Uh, the property was valued, appraised at 195,000 and would be sold to the Griffin Group at 200,000 if it is approved. And with that, I would move <coughs> for passage. All right, there is a motion on the floor. This is item number 19. Uh, yes, Councilman Spadafore. Councilman Garza, you, could you repeat that again? This is, a, this is the one that's 45 years, correct? And 45 at 4%. 45 at 4%, okay. Yeah. I. I after my long-winded speech about the tools in our tool chest, this one does has given me pause over the last few weeks about the length um, on a project that is run by, as you mentioned, someone we know has not been. I'll stop there, but I won't be supporting this one. Yeah, and and I appreciate that. I would just add that they all give me concern because the reality is we know uh, as past practice, um, all 28 pilots, right, um, that are not new, um, those have all come back. Uh, because they've remortgaged, they've deferred maintenance, they haven't put any capital outlay together. And so what they end up doing is they end up applying again for LIHTX. And in order to get that three-point you know, box to be checked, uh, they come back to the city and they ask for 30, 35, 40, 45 years. Um, and, and again, we're seeing the 4%, 5%, 6%, 7% variety. Um, so they all scare me a bit. Uh, but with that being said, do we have other questions, comments? Seeing none, clerks will on adoption of the Hillsdale pilot, Councilmember Garza? No. Councilmember Hussein? No. Councilmember Jackson? Yes. Councilmember Spadafore? No. Councilmember Spitzley? No. Councilmember Wood? No. Councilmember Brown? No. Councilmember Daniels? No. Uh, one yay, seven nays, the ordinance is not adopted. Uh, and that takes us to speaker registration for public comment on city government related matters. Um, so if you are wishing to address the city council, you can speak for up to three minutes and uh, by jumping up now and getting a sign-in sheet to uh, Jason in the back. And in the meantime, uh, we are to reports of city officers, boards and commissions and communications and petitions. Vice President Wood. Um, I would move that all communications be um, considered read in full and be referred uh, for you to make the referrals. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. 
We have from the city clerk minutes of boards and commissions. Place on file. And board of water and financial report. Uh, Committee of the whole. Items from the mayor. Uh, two items relative to South Martin Luther King Corridor Improvement Authority. Uh, both to development and planning. Uh, and uh, two items relative to Brownfield Plan Number 83, Moneyball Brownfield Redevelopment Project at 923 and 927 West Saginaw. Both to development and plan. Two items relative to an obsolete property rehabilitation act district uh, for 1703, 1717, and 1723 East Michigan Avenue. Development and planning. Uh, two items relative to orders to make safe or demolish 304 Regent, Regent Street. Uh, public safety. We have a grant acceptance. Uh, we have a number of grant acceptances for the police department, uh, domestic violence services, justice assistance grant, burn memorial justice assistance, uh, special tactics uh, and stop violence against women. So 30 through 34, all the ways it means. And then we have a grant acceptance for the League of American Bicyclists Community Spark Grant. Ways and means. Grant acceptance for the Michigan Ovation Grant, Michigan Enhancement Grant for the Ovation Performing Arts Center. Ways and means. Uh, we have issuance and sale of uh, limited tax general obligation bonds for the Ovation Performing Arts Center. Committee of the Whole. And Act 31, incorporation of the Lansing Public Media Authority. Committee of the Whole. Communications and petitions. We have an item from uh, Robert Engel about a civil rights claim. Uh, place on file. Uh, notice from the Liquor Control Commission about a request to transfer uh, uh, license with a new entertainment permit at 2525 East Jolly Road. Uh, city operations. And another notice from the Liquor Control uh, request for a Class C with Dance Entertainment and extended hours at 221 South Washington. Uh, city operations. We have uh, claim appeal number 1907 uh, for uh, $1,413 in trash fees at 301 South Foster. Uh, city operations. We have a claim appeal uh, for $150 in trash fees at 4630 Christensen Road. City operations. A claim appeal for $150 in red tag fees at 218 South Hayford. City operations. A claim appeal for $1,057 in trash fees at 2306 East Michigan. City operations. And a claim appeal for uh, $455 in grass violations at 1802 Sterling. City of, I'm sorry, city operations. Uh, we have two remarks by council members. Council members, uh, Councilman Spadafore. Yeah, Mr. President, I would just, um, as chair ways and means, I'd ask to discharge item 36, that is the MEG acceptance for the ovation to the Committee of the Whole to be considered along the other two ovation-related product uh, items. And that's number, sorry, uh, Number 36, yeah. All right, so let's discharge that and we'll take that to Committee of the Whole. Thank you. Any other uh, council member comments? Seeing none, clerk's vote. Hey, remarks by the mayor. Office. Not this time, city council. Thank you. Thank you, clerk's vote. And uh, we are to public comment on city government related matters. Speakers have up to three minutes to address items relative to the operation or governance of the city. And the first uh, speaker is Kyle Richard, followed by Nicholas Zandi. Good evening, everyone. Um, Kyle Richard, 4th Ward. Uh, last Tuesday, uh, three blocks behind my house, 
the Lansing Police Department killed a man. Uh, his name was Terrence Robinson. He was 31. And we didn't meditate on him tonight. Um, my roommate also received uh, this in the mail, which you may or may not be familiar with. Uh, has all of your names on it, with the exception of uh, Councilmember Jackson. I got your mailer as well. Um, reads, Lansing first responders deserve better. Time and again, our first responders and emergency service personnel put their own personal safety at risk to protect us. To protect us? Is, is that what they're doing? Because um, that, that feels like uh, sort of an elementary understanding of what, what the role of first responders is. Uh, and as first responders, they, by the very nature as first responders, they can't protect because they're responding to the harm. You can't protect harm that you're responding to. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, it's interesting because I think about how, you know, like a, sh a shield protects. And there's a shield on the side of Lansing Police Department vehicles. But the Lansing Police Department is not the shield. The Lansing Police Department is the sword that enforces the status quo. And so they don't protect us. They're not our bodyguards, except maybe for y'all. Without them and their dedication to our community, every Lansing family would be at risk. This is just fear-mongering. We're going to fear-monger our way to a new city jail. Um, for decades, many of these local heroes have worked in deteriorating conditions that are unacceptable. I'll be clear, you know, it's clear some ductwork needs to be done, right? This is the front of a building. I, I can't even tell you what's wrong in this photo, right? I, I worked at Sexton High School. You, there's a thing about getting by. Um, it's time to step up for our local heroes who tirelessly fight to protect Lansing families. And I want to take up the rest of my time to just to speak on the word heroes because it's come up twice in this piece. Um, and it wasn't too long ago that uh, essential workers at the grocery store were heroes. And like you may not know this about me, but I come from a military family. Both my parents were in the Navy, and members of my family have participated in every major US conflict since World War II. And what I know is when someone calls you a hero in this way, what it means is that they are willing to sacrifice you. They are willing to use you as a political pawn to a political end. And it is dehumanizing to the jobs they do. A uniform does not make a hero. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we have Nicholas Zandi, followed by Jessica Ver Verlind. Hello. Um, hello, City Council. Here I am, back at it again. Nicholas Zandi from the Second Ward, here talking about my proposal for a decentralized Lansing. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it numerous times, but I still feel that I need to talk about it because you still haven't put it up for discussion at Committee of the Whole. And I am tired of hearing excuses like you can't find proper language for it. This is really getting old. This issue really should not have to wait. When you have people unhappy with how the city is run, and you see that guy previously having to show that propaganda that the city's been moving out. I also want you to know that 
Should this proposal make the ballot and pass with overwhelming support with voters, should that even happen, I expect the city should have open discussion on what the new ward boundaries should be if they do split the wards. Because as we've seen from that leaked conversation from the LA city councilors, you probably know what I'm talking about, keeping discussion closed to the public just won't fly with most of the voters and just shouldn't be feasible with the constituents of the city of Lansing or any city for that matter. And that's all I really want to say, and I shall yield the rest of my allotted time. Thank you. Next, we have Jessica Verland, followed by Loretta Stanaway. Hello, my name is Jessica Verlindy. Excuse me, I'm pretty nervous. Um, I wanted to share with the city council what is indeed happening with the grant money that you are giving to these agencies. My children and I were homeless for 10 months. We lost our home for domestic violence because I agree with the gentleman behind us, the police are not for us. They were called four times and they still did not press charges. Screwdriver through my hand burned with third grade burns. At this time, according to HUD, you should be able to get a shelter verification for two weeks <clears throat> after being homeless, a homeless ID. None of this occurred for us. To this day, I still do not have a shelter ID. It took nine months to get a shelter verification, and that was because I had assistance of my Carl Push. The CARES advocacy that you guys have through the police department is a joke. They got upset with him, and after the fighting back and forth about providing this documentation that you must have in order to be entered into H-SIMS or to get any HUD assistance, they no longer spoke to me in January. They lied on the document and put that I was homeless, me and my two children, since December, but we were not. We lost our home in September. I was told by CPS if I didn't leave my home with my children, they would take my kids from me. After four times of the police being called to my house, in December over Christmas break, we were held hostage in the hotel, waiting four hours for the police to show up. They dropped us off at the homeless shelter and never looked for him and just released him the next day. This carried on until Advent House then took us because Holy Cross has a hotel voucher program. CPS dropped us off at Causeway Bay Hotel, paid for three days and told us to figure it out on our own. My son at the time was seven, my daughter's three. He attempted suicide twice and I took him to Children's Crisis Unit who told me to take him home and wash his mouth out with soap. Every system in this city is very flawed. There's a lot of fraud going on and nobody will hear me, I have proof of it. They are using people's Sarah funds to pay for the hotels, which are illegal. A total of around $15,000 they paid for me and my two children to live in a hotel, but refused to give us rapid rehousing, held my Section 8 voucher from me for three months until my Sarah funds were depleted. Then they gave it to me and kicked us out of the hotel and gave us less than 24 hours. They refused to give me my HSIMS report, which is a federal right that I have, Holy Cross refuses and Advent House refuses. And the reason why they refuse is more than likely because there is no report. I've contacted Dale at the city. He still can't furnish it either. There's a lot of injustices and fraud going on and you need to look into it. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have Loretta Stanaway and then Norma Bauer. Oh, 
Okay, you've heard this from me before and you're gonna hear it yet again. I'm tired of seeing this city act out of fear that if they don't accept some half-baked offer that comes down the pike, nothing better will come and they'll get nothing for nothing and so they take a little bit of something that ends up costing us more than we get for it. Uh, Mr. Jackson, I heard you're speaking about uh, the developers and so forth. I don't know if you recall back with the Red Cedar development proposal, that thing went through three or four or five different itinerations at which each time they reduced the project and reduced the subsidy and reduced the amount the city had to put into that project. I think in the end it came in somewhere under $10 million lower than what it initially was going to cost the city. So it's not impossible for a developer to cut back and make a project that they claim isn't feasible at some level down to a level that is feasible that doesn't cost us quite so much. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is how we seem to lack any self-confidence that we can draw anything good into this city and that we have to take these scraps. I was at the planning board meeting the other night and that was another same chapter, second verse, song and dance. Uh, we should accept the proposed storage facility in the old Sam's Club because the um, developer and the real estate agent have tried marketing it nationwide and don't get any response. They haven't marketed it locally. They haven't gone to any local people and said, okay, say as an example, pulling out of the air, Joel Ferguson, you're getting up there in years, you've got lots of money, you wanna leave a legacy for the city, how about you buy that building and you turn it into the Ferguson Family Fun Center and have a variety of different features in there, including an event space for baby showers and weddings and uh, a jump house and a go-kart track and whatever, you know, a combination of things that will draw in family members and more traffic than a self-storage space will bring in. Um, also on participation down here for public comment, you guys need to get on a stick and find a way to do that virtually. There are a lot of people sitting out at home that can't participate here because you don't see it important enough to act quickly to make that happen. And I would challenge the council, perhaps the president, or to have him appoint someone to do this, to audit all the different things that you have approved through the year to date that have cost the taxpayers more than they were previously spending whether it's from the mayor, from yourselves, from a developer, whatever, let's get a tally. Let's find out how much did you add to our debts over the course of the last 10 months and how you think we should be able to pay for them. We don't have the resources to counter your propaganda for the ballot proposal for the $175 million. You're using our tax money to pay a developer to, to argue against us. Thank you. Next is Norma Bauer, follow, followed by Claretta Duckett-Freeman. Uh, I'm Norma Bauer, and if those extra minutes are still available, I'd like that added to my minutes. Um, I wish that all of you uh, could have attended the uh, mid meac luncheon on last Friday when Ingham County Treasurer spoke about um, a lot of things, but his plan is to build the builders. So selling uh, properties that have been declared unlivable, un un unlivable um, is selling them dirt cheap. And right now, only the 
flippers know how to take a condemned property and make it sellable on the open market. They invest their time, their energy, their money to bring these condemned housing up to market. So they buy it dirt cheap at the tax sale. They jump through all the hoops to be able to do that. And then um, they can sell it on the open market to, guess what? Median income Lansing residents are people who want to live in Lansing. And that would raise the tax base ultimately over after five years because they bought it at 30,000 and invested another 10 or 15,000 and then sold it for a hundred and something. Um, I know somebody who can afford a $100,000 home on FHA loan. You can't buy on FHA loans through the tax sale. So I wish that um, people would adopt that. Um, unfortunately, the director of the Ingham County Land Bank doesn't see value in it yet. <laughs> so, but anyway, there's some of those properties that are owned by the city of Lansing. Um, and about CIT training, it's a wonderful, wonderful program. And I just sent along a couple of emails to uh, Councilmember Jackson. Um, there's police officers who have taken it. Uh, it's uh, run by a, a woman who's got 16 years experience as a cop and also an MSW degree. And those funds could go for hiring other MSWs to become CIT trainers. And that would really help a lot because those, the, what the CIT training does is it takes police, maybe uh, ambulance drivers sometime in the future too, to respond with empathy and active listening. They learn how to calm themselves so they don't go into mob mentality like they did in Uvalde. Um, and they're loving it. The fifth day of the training is practicing the skills that they learned. And now they loved it so much that they want to refresh your course. You know, this is going to divert people from jail and into treatment. And that's what we need so much. I mean, I just heard something on the news about uh, how the DO, Direct Department of Corrections is letting drug dealers into prison. You know, we don't need to incarcerate more and more people. Uh, Thank wait. you. I don't get the extra minute that was yielded. Thank you. We, next, we have Loretta Duckett Freeman, followed by Ryan J. Smith. So usually I come here and I fuss at y'all. So I do want to first acknowledge the positive thing y'all did today by not voting for one of the pilots. I wish it had been all three of them, but thank you for listening to us because we keep coming here. We keep telling you about the problems of these people, these developers who are coming here and building these housing and how they don't upkeep it and how it's taking away tax money from us. And what I do like today is there is so much alignment in this room. I love it when I can see our community aligning people from totally different political uh perspectives and we are in agreement and I think that that says something and I hope y'all paying attention to that um, so one of the things that I agree with that uh, Loretta said is that uh, for some reason you guys believe that like we're not valuable you don't you don't know your worth Lansing has worth and we don't have to believe in scarcity we don't have to believe that oh people won't they won't build homes for us if we don't give them everything they demand of us no we can demand things from them. 
We can demand things for them. You set the standard. You set the level. You tell them to reach it. And they will because they're greedy capitalists. They just want to make money. They're going to make a profit. It's definitely feasible for them to make mixed income housing. It's definitely feasible for them to make low income housing that doesn't have to be projects. The reason they don't do that is because they don't have to. Make them. Make them. But I, I, I still want to make sure that y'all know y'all did a good job, but you could do better. Thank you. Next, we have Ryan J. Smith, followed by Jody Washington. Mr. President, Madam Vice President, Council, uh, I'm Ryan Smith. I'm a candidate for the Lansing School Board. I, I came here tonight just to watch, but uh, I was very alarmed by the discussion about the pilots. Uh, for me, uh, Councilman Jackson, we do have a need for low-income housing, but we also have a need and have a responsibility to provide quality low-income housing. And so when I hear that we're going to engage with developers with subpar uh, histories, I say shame on us. Do, are they not worth the extra time to find somebody who will provide quality low-income housing? And like some of the predecessors said, you know, we have a responsibility to reach higher. The logic that something is better than nothing is something that I've heard in this town my whole life. It's also why we haven't really grown over the course of my whole life. We have to say to ourselves that on a scale of one to 10, a three might be better than a one, but it's a long ways from an eight, nine, and 10. We have the duty to go out there and find the quality actors and say, this is what we're looking to build. This is what we want to accomplish. Do you want to participate? I have no problem saying, okay, we'll give a 4% pilot to somebody who's going to bring something of quality. I'd like to hear a developer who's gonna come in and provide pathways out of those developments so they can move on to other, uh, other varieties of housing. We don't need to be housing and, and handcuffing people into poverty their whole life just so we can feel better for ourselves. So please, in the future, reach higher, want more. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Jody Washington, followed by Linda Appling. Hi, Jody Washington. I wasn't going to speak, but after you guys voted yes on those pilots, my heart sank. And I'm so disappointed and frankly horrified. You all talk about the builders, and I agree with Claretta and Loretta, enough, an absolute enough. None of you thought about the people. I am in that area of town every day of my life, working with the people that hang out at the outreach and Holy Cross. It is a crap show. And you want to put more vulnerable people in that area and senior citizens. And I certainly hope those of you that voted yes are the first to put your mother in that development, in that area. I am sickened and disgusted. We can't afford what we have. As you heard from Jessica, I work with people like Jessica every day. The services aren't working. And you're building more and more to bring more and more people that we are not servicing. The very people that have decided they want this two point some million dollars. It's broken. And you can't keep building more. I, I don't know what part of it you all don't get, other than I can say some of your votes, in my opinion, came from a very privileged position. You don't understand what it is to live in poverty. You don't understand what it is to raise children in those neighborhoods. I do. And I am disgusted that you all think it's okay 
to put families in warehoused poverty in a poverty area. I'm horrified. I hope in the future you all go forward with vision. I hope you visit some of those areas. I hope you sit in that area all day long before you continue this mess that you're putting us in. And as far as something is better than nothing, that's ludicrous. Many times, nothing is better than something. And you wait for the right project at the right time. You don't just take, why do you think nobody's offering us anything more than storage units? Because this is what we're spiraling to, and you all need to do your job, get a vision, and stop us from this vortex. Thank you. Next is Linda Appling, followed by John Morin. Hello. I have at least three or four items to cover. First, I'd like to restate my position that the city should provide legal assistance to residents on Section 8 who are living in homes that have been tagged. These individuals need legal assistance in establishing escrow accounts and working their way through the legal system. Secondly, I'd like to thank Judge Kennedy for rejecting the inclusion of the Lansing Township vote to be on the ballot. I never did like that proposal. I thought it stuck. Third, I would request that the city place a vote on its LCD stadium or any location that has LCDs. And here I'm talking about a big VOTE with a exclamation mark on it. The city has these. Use them. Encourage people to vote. Do something. Third, Waverly Street. I don't know how many of you have been by Waverly, but I'll tell you now, that thing is a mess. The entire, I don't know who came up with that plan, but one of the things that occurred to me, why are they destroying the cement and replacing that with blacktop? I, I have no idea what these people are doing. There was poor or no communication in terms of avoiding street closings and which way you should go. It has been a total nightmare, and my gas expenditure has increased significantly with me trying to find my way out of whatever they, whatever they have done. Third, there's been no communication with the people in the area of what was happening. Nothing came out. I'm president of Leno. We didn't get anything in terms of what was happening. We didn't know what was happening, and nobody in the area knew what was happening. You know, if I had my way, I'd fire all of them that were involved in this. I have never seen such PP planning in my life. It sucks. And those are exactly what I wanted to say today. And I will again restate. You need to establish legal assistance for Section 8 people. You really do. I've listened to you complain up here about, quote, these buildings are deteriorating. Of course they're deteriorating. The people in them don't have any way to withhold the rent so that the place can get fixed up. 
give them something in their toolbox so that they can do it. Thank you. And uh, we have John Morin followed by David Ellis. So last time I was here, I talked about the raid. I want to go back on that a little bit. When uh, Sherry talked to me two weeks before we were raided, it was because she wanted to go to rehab. She had become addicted to drugs, and uh, I had to oppose that because we had, uh, she, I had set up a growing operation, a marijuana grow up, that she was in charge of. She managed it. It involved our family and a neighbor. Uh, so I couldn't have her, have her lock up. She was in charge of that. That was nothing I could do about that. During that time, Funches had uh, left a voicemail that was kind of threatening on her phone. I told Sherry not to erase it, to keep it. He'd come over with a gun and, and drugs and, and threatened to throw bricks through our uh, car window, all kinds of stuff. And in the course of all this uh, police operation, he was working with the cops on. Uh, I looked him up on notice. At that time, he had a long prison record. Uh, I realized he was more of a predator than anything else. I wanted to know where he lived. I wanted to confront him. Uh, sure, he was afraid because he had a gun. I just don't understand why the cops let him have a gun and drugs while he was on uh, uh, wait, awaiting trial for the same thing. That just blows my mind. Anyways, when the cops raided my house, Sherry was backing out of the, out of the driveway. Uh, I was on the front porch. I watched one cop jump through the passenger window and hit her in the head with his gun, yelling at her to uh, pull out the, uh, put it in park and pull out the uh, keys. Another cop at the driver window yelling at her to keep her hands on the steering wheel. It was uh, interesting. When uh, I was handcuffed and stood back up, the cops, I told the cops I thought they was at the wrong house. They didn't think they were. They wanted to know where the cameras were. They don't wear cameras themselves. They don't want to uh, videotape what they're about to do, which is a lot of it is violate my uh, civil rights. Uh, they wanted to know how much drug money I used to fix the house up. No, that was all on my own hands. In fact, uh, when I got arrested and fingerprinted, first time I went to court, I had to go back to the jail to get re-fingerprinted. And as the cop said that I've got workers' hands and my fingerprints are hard to uh, pick up because I, I work so much. Um, I guess that's what I was guilty of, working too much. Uh, the cops did steal $200 out of the couple thousand that was in my safe. They uh, used a battering ram to get my garage door, even though I offered my keys. Uh, after 12 hits, they, uh, they decided to use my keys. I told them that I'd reinforced the doors, and they weren't going to get through that door. And the next four after that were worse. And Thank you. next week we talk about zanies. Thank you. Uh, next and finally is David Ellis. Oh boy, only three minutes. First, I wanted to talk about the housing that has been talked about quite a bit this meeting so far. Lansing, I do think, needs more housing. I'm very strongly in support of more housing. That being said, if you look at the housing market, there's like a national housing shortage. 
most of the apartments in Lansing are already at full occupancy. So clearly there is the demand, there is the money that can be made from those, from developers. We don't need to be giving them all these tax cuts for building something that is clearly a golden goose. Look at how many are built going up right now in Lansing. It's insane. Frandor. Frandor was quite the scare the other week. Lots of people I talk with and ride the bus with were terrified. They didn't know what they were going to do this winter when they have to walk across Frandor. Frandor is horrible. It is, it's been a long-running joke in Lansing that it's miserable. Like If you ever looked at Lansing facts on Facebook, they always make their little cracks about it. It's not all the, man, the Frandor's management that's responsible for it, though. MDOT and Lansing both don't contribute much to providing pedestrian access to the shopping center. There are actually no direct pedestrian routes into Frandor. Any walk into Frandor requires walking either across an intersection with no stop signs for cars or crosswalks at all, or walking through just driveway to get to the businesses. It's completely unsafe. CORE's reasoning for taking out the shelter, which I saw that they're, take, they're just taking out the shelter now, keeping the stop, thank goodness, was that there's like homeless people staying in it. There are plenty of other ways to have solved that issue, but they went for the chemotherapy option, where they are looking at homelessness in the city as like it's this cancer where we have to poison Frandor and just hope that the shoppers put up with it. It's, it's been going on for decades of just it being a terrible 1960s dangerous place to travel through. People don't like driving through Frandor. No one wants to walk through Frandor. It is a miserable place to be. And with all of the city's pushes for, like with the draft sustainability plan, which talked a lot about walkability in livable neighborhoods and complete streets from several years ago, this is a major destination directly between to the two largest population centers in the tri-county area. That's the two largest population centers in the tri-county area, the shopping center that so many people rely on, and it is awful. It is one of, I would argue it is the worst place in the city. I, we need to be pushing for more safety. We need to be having the city itself provide as many services as it can. There is a lot that needs to be done to make a safer experience for everyone. Thank you. All right, and with no other business before the body, we are adjourned at 829. Thank you.